Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Frioli, Food and Wine by Bobby Stuckey, Lachlan McKinnon-Patterson, and Meredith Erickson. Hey, Victoria. Hello, Johnny. <laughs> Happy Monday. Happy Monday. It's a beautiful Monday. The the breeze is blowing. I'm actually wearing long pants because it's cool enough. Um, I'm wearing a sweater, which is lovely. We got baby bunnies hanging out in our backyard. We do. This is a second time, too. Yep. And uh, the first time Mama Bunny uh, didn't hang around very much, but this one, this one is hiding in our, in our tomato plants. She's keeping, a bit overbearing. Oh, she loves her babies. <laughs> Something. And we're just trying to keep our dog Olive away from the babies. They've, they've got an understanding. Yeah, they've, I they've think they do. They've worked something out. It's, it's pretty amazing because um, Olive would usually go after a bunny when she sees it, but. Yeah. Well, welcome everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Let's take care of a little housekeeping first. Uh, if you like what you hear, leave a rating, leave a review. Um, it helps grow our audience. And if you want to further support us, um, we have an accompanying blog post for each one of these podcasts and cookbook reviews that we do. And uh, at the bottom of the page, there's an affiliate link to purchase the book. Um, we also have a Amazon storefront, uh, affiliate storefront where we've put together a thoughtfully curated selection of, uh, kind of essential kitchen tools and gadgets, and also some of the better cookbooks that we've featured and enjoyed. And you can make your purchase from there. And best of all, it does not cost you a penny more, but we get a few, Pennies, literally pennies. Literally pennies. Ooh, <laughs> thrown, here's, here's your $2. Yes, thrown our way. But every little bit helps, and we're thankful for it. So uh, with that being said, let's dive into um, what we've been up to. Uh, what did we just recently complete? We just recently uh, completed a book called Sababa by Adina Sussman. Um, Beautiful book. Yes. There was not a single thing in the book that we that didn't turn out, that we didn't like, that we didn't rave about. Um, I feel like we're kind of late to the party with this book because I saw it, you know, mentioned and featured many a time. Oh, when it came out, it was media. on all yeah. the all the like best of lists and everything. And, and it's the pr the praise and and the hype is well deserved. So yes, um, and. What's what are up? we working on next? Uh, on Vegetables by Jeremy Fox. And uh, I don't know much about him, but uh, Nor do I. It's, a, it's a promising looking book and we'll dive into it and we'll give you a full report once we're done. Most importantly, what's, dinner. For, what's for dinner tonight, Victoria? Tonight, don't judge us. We're having a bacon cheeseburger pizza, homemade. There's no judgment oh, so necessary. Good. And uh, we had it last night, too. Uh, had enough leftover for leftovers tonight, which is great. Two nights in a row that yeah. we're not uh, photographing yeah, and that does cooking not our butts often. off. Um, but last night, we forgot the pickles, which yep. 
is a pretty important component. Of but the bacon cheeseburger We pizza. won't make that mistake again. And uh, per usual, we are using the dough recipe from Paul Kahan and his book, Cooking for Good Times. We usually keep that in the freezer and bust it out whenever the craving for flatbread or pizza strikes us. It's always a good idea to have pizza dough in your freezer, I think. Yes, I agree. Especially like if you're craving it. We don't keep bread in our house. Although I do love fresh baked bread. <laughs> Michael Ruman, I'm looking at you. Yeah. It's our um, go-to bread recipe. But it's it's a good thing to have on hand if you're in a pinch. You can whip together a flatbread, make yep. a pantry meal. Um, Want to talk about what's for dessert? Oh, yes. Uh, some tahini blondies. Uh, yep. And those were from... Sababa, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They were, oh, so good. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> you got to tell them about what we're having them with because this kind of like takes it to next level status. Oh, yeah. We're having it with uh, Halo Top, chocolate almond crunch ice cream. Um, we love ice cream, but, you know, it's super fattening. Yeah. So Halo we, Top is a really good. We try and stay pretty fit. We work out and, you know, all that stuff. So Halo Top's awesome. We kind of discovered that a while back, and that's kind of our go-to ice cream because it's really low in calories, and uh, it does not sacrifice taste at all. It's really good. Yep. And this chocolate almond crunch, I am telling you, <laughs> it is the perfect <laughs> companion to this tahini blondie. It, it's like they were made for each other. So, Wow, that's some effusive praise. Yes. All right. And then, uh, of course, we've got some coconut energy bites edibles might have some cannabis in it don't don't clutch your pearls it's legal in illinois so <laughs> if it's legal in your jurisdiction knock yourself out there's no judgment here nope um yeah so we've got a full night planned we're gonna be very busy, very busy. <laughs> let's dive into this book all right uh freely food and wine uh, after the namesake restaurant in uh, Colorado, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it uh, focuses on a very specific region in Italy, northeastern Italy, Did to you be say exact. Eastern? North, <laughs> northeastern? It sounded like you said northeastern. <laughs> oh, maybe I did. I'm still learning English. Sorry. Look at me picking on you. I know. Uh, This area is bordered by Austria, Slovenia, and the Adriatic Sea. So it's mountainous. It's got, you know, water. It's got, you know, flat plains. It's it's a real unique area um, geographically, culturally. um, Goes without saying that it's beautiful. And um, the book is um, divided into various different uh, sections. Uh, the first section, it's about 64 pages long, and it's just all about the wines that come from the area. They break it down into the different white grapes, the different red, grappa. Um, Your favorite. Oh, so I'll tell this grappa story really quick. All right. When I was in culinary school, I was taking a wine class and I was also working at this restaurant and we had had a friend in from town and he came by uh, along with Johnny and they sat at the bar and after I was done working, we 
drank and we drank some grappa. We drank a lot of grappa. And then the next morning I had a wine class final. How'd that work out for I, you? Oh, it was, it was terrible. And when we got to the question, uh, there were questions about grappa on there and I almost threw up on the computer. <laughs> it, it, it just, the memory. And it still haunts you to this I, day. Oh, maybe I should give another shot. Maybe. I mean, I'm not going to give cinnamon schnapps another shot. Exactly. <laughs> Hot 100. Yeah. Okay. So, um, back to it. So there's a wine section. Um, there's a land section, a sea section. Um, you said sea section. <laughs> we're talking the, about birth and babies yeah, here. The, the 12-year-old in me is coming out. Yeah. All right. And then there's mountains. And then at the back, there's this like really thoughtful, uh, they call it their address book. And it's just places to stay, places to go. You know, um, yeah, it's... Yeah, this book, um, in addition to being a cookbook and packed full of recipes, definitely serves as kind of a travelogue. And so if you're the type of person that loves paging through a, a cookbook with beautiful photos and, you know, it takes you to a very specific time and place, this is the book for you. It's it's a, basically a love letter to the, to the whole region. Absolutely. It's very thoughtfully written. And uh, I should say it probably has the distinction of being the only cookbook to contain some glowing praise from Rush bassist Getty Lee, who apparently is quite the the wine aficionado. And so he mentions in his praise that he visits this restaurant in Boulder, Colorado when Rush is on tour. And uh, there you go. Maybe you'll see Getty Lee there if you happen to <laughs> dine there. All right. Let's dive in. Um, so what did we make? Well, let's start with the apple and horseradish salad. And this had some grilled radicchio. Yep. Let's talk about grilled radicchio. Well, I'm kind of on the fence about radicchio. But grilling it. If you grill it, it takes away that really bitter edge. Mm-hmm. Um so it, it mellows out, uh, and it had the, this uh, salad had some apples, some horseradish. Um, it called for a Montesio cheese, which we couldn't find. It's a very region, very region specific. It's yes. a cow milk, um, mountainous so, region. Mm-hmm. It's got the you know European designation, protected status, uh, all that. Um, tough to find. Tough to find. So, um, in a pinch, you can just use some pecorino, which, which is what we did. Yep. Beautiful dish. It was beautiful. Yep. And beautiful tasting. Um, this is a great starter. It's a great side for something if you're grilling something. Um, no complaints for me. It had some some sweetness from the grated apple. Um, nice pleasant tang from the red wine vinegar. Uh, the horseradish gives it a nice assertive bite. Um, really nice. And, you know, not something I would normally think to, you know, combine all those flavors and they were really thoughtfully composed and I loved it. I agree. All right. All right. So the moving on, um, the next thing we did was a burrata peach, tomato, watermelon salad with a bunch of herbs. Um, yeah. This was like summer on a plate. I know that gets tossed around a lot, but. Man. Yeah. And burrata. I just love burrata. Yep. 
so creamy and delicious. Um, and we actually brought this over to a friend's house. Um, there was like a social distancing get together, fire pit, little fire pit action, wine drinking kind of affair. And, uh, man, I think it's safe to say if, uh, cookbook has a burrata recipe in it we're probably going to make it absolutely yep. you, you had us at burrata and man this was this was so delicious and um like these these summer herbs it gives you a lot of latitude with you know what you can use i think we use like mint and basil both from our garden and uh you know everything is in season right now so we had some tomatoes from our garden oh yeah the timing is just really fortuitous yeah. like all you know all the stone fruits are are ripe um yeah tons of herbs just go out to our patio and pick them and and then uh we used a balsamic glaze to go over the top i think it calls for like a red wine vinegar but i was pretty i was pretty stoked on that Balsamic glaze that went over them. Oh, yeah. I thought that was good. Uh, you know, we talked in the first episode about not being afraid to just use what you have on hand um, rather than, you know, knocking yourself out, driving all over, looking for something or going to a store specifically for like one or two ingredients if you've got something on hand that you can substitute. And I think this was a perfect example of that regarding, you know. We used the glaze. Did we not of, have any red wine vinegar? I, I think we did, but I, I think we just had the idea of like the balsamic glaze. Yeah. Like, oh, that'll be good. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, with the mint, with the mint and the basil, you know, you could, you could use any combination of herbs and it's going to be good. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to make those substitutes when, when needed. Um, Yeah. Anything else about the salad? Um. It was lovely and tasty, and it was... It didn't last long no, at that it did party. Not. Nope. Nice. So the next thing we made was a dish called buckwheat blecks with chicken and rosemary. Okay, so this is one that should probably be a weekend thing. Yes. Um, this is like a Sunday afternoon, hanging out kind of affair. It involves breaking down a whole chicken and searing it and then braising it for a long time and making pasta from scratch yes the buckwheat the buckwheat pasta i have this thing with pasta um i don't eat it very much uh and i was expecting okay when you see the picture when you see the picture of this dish in in the book and the authors are very quick to point out that it is not a beautiful plate of food it is not but it's very tan it's brown food. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, just from the way the pasta looked, I figured it would be really chewy. Now, unless you're some weirdos like us that photograph everything that you make, that shouldn't be a concern because what it maybe lacked in uh, appearance, it more than made up for in flavor. This was like probably one of the favorite things that I had from the book. Yes. Um, so the pasta was really yes <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening the pasta was actually really easy to make um yeah I, I'm always intimidated by pasta you've you've had more experience making it than than I and we you know we've got the you know we've got the hand crank you know 
pasta standard issue pasta rollers and we've utilized it enough times and i always feel like it's a two-person team yes. effort though like, yes i would so, agree with that um but this one uh got cut up into uh little triangles um and let's talk about this chicken oh yeah now sorry no if, go if, ahead if i may Please. Um, this is ingredient wise a really minimal dish mm-hmm. and i think in the case of those types of dishes, especially, it's really important to just begin with really high quality ingredients. So this is the perfect dish to splurge. Don't go buy some bulked up, crappy per. Oh, I don't want to. Some big hormone injected. Some big food conglomerate chicken <laughs> that doesn't have any taste but it's really fat yeah um we you know i'm sure no matter where you live you've got access to uh you know a local farm maybe you have some on on your own um we have a farm in central wisconsin not too far from us called avram farms who we are big fans of they've been like really supportive of what we've done and they actually deliver to Chicago. And so we get, you know, organic free range chickens from them. And it makes a huge difference. Well, and they also, um, they kind of had to do a, a pivot with with the whole COVID. And they um, got together with a bunch of other small suppliers and they opened a storefront grocery and you can get produce you can get honey mm-hmm. you can get butter you can get flour and then they kind of deliver once a week mm-hmm. all around the region depending on you know different day depending on where you live but you know they had been previously supplying to restaurants and of course that business dried up and they you know really had to reinvent yeah. themselves and they've done a great job yeah they've done a really great job um Okay, so Avram chicken, yes, and then you know, and we used for the for the flour for the pasta. It was kind of a combination of uh, double zero flour and then buckwheat flour, um, which was not something that I think we normally work with too much. We had some in the pantry. We had some. Yeah, I've yeah, but it was great. I mean, yeah. it, it definitely had that kind of. It gave it like a more interesting taste than just like a standard, you know, all-purpose flour kind of thing. It, to use the term, it tasted more granola to me. Like there you go, I could see that. Um, it had like a grain, you know, flavor to it. Yeah, yeah. But it, man, it was delicious. Um. So braising this chicken, and they tell you, well, you, um, they tell you do not use store-bought stock because this braises for a really long time. And by the time that it's done, if you use store-bought, it will be too salty. And yeah. Um, and the best thing is, is you take the chicken skin and you take it off and you cut it off and you put it in there. It's so good. <laughs> like this yummy, like, because normally, you know, you think flabby chicken skin, that's disgusting. Yeah. But this, it just melts. It's like unctuous and 
delicious. That's and, right. I forgot that we had like kind of finely diced that up yep. and then mixed that back on with the braising liquid. Um, and the and the braising liquid was just a simple sauce of uh, it had caramelized onion, rosemary, white wine, and the chicken stock. And mm. it just you know by braising a long time, it gets that really uh, focused. Deep Intense flavor. flavor. Oh. <laughs> Can you tell I, we like this dish? I think it's probably one of the my favorite things I've eaten this year. Yeah. And even the following day, we had leftovers, and it was just as tasty. Like, it didn't suffer at all from sitting. So, uh, if, you know, there was one dish in particular that we could recommend from this book, it would be that one. Yes. Buckwheat Blex with chicken and rosemary. Thank us later. <laughs> all right. All right. Moving on. Hit us. Uh, spaghetti con fungi el cacciato. Ah, oh, I'm messing it up. Translation, baked spaghetti with mushrooms in parchment. So this was an interesting one. This was the one that we we received this book a few months ago and it kind of went on the shelf. We had every intention of cooking from it, but I, it, you know, it was a little intimidating. I don't know if it was just like the gorgeous photos inside or the the fancy names, but for whatever reason, I, I'm just speaking for fancy myself. Fancy names, you make us sound like complete rude. I know. <laughs> hey, I know what I am. Um, and I, for whatever reason, it was it was a little intimidating and. Um, this was the dish that caught my attention, though, where, you know, I we saw this and we're like, hey, we got to make this. So basically what it is is like a pasta spaghetti dish um, with mushrooms that's baked in parchment paper. And then table side, you serve each guest their own little parcel of, of spaghetti. So there's like this big reveal. The presentation is pretty awesome. Um, however... It seemed a little, <laughs> just the whole putting it in parchment seemed really unnecessary. Agreed. I think it could have been tossed tossed in a saute pan. Yes. Um, well, I mean, my biggest issue with the dish personally, I mean, it was tasty. It was, it was great. Um, but it just took what is traditionally a very simple meal, like making spaghetti and then using a technique that I didn't feel really added anything yeah. to it other than presentation wise. So like I can understand if you went to their restaurant and ate that dish, you'd probably be blown away and think it was great. Um, would I choose this technique again in the future to make the dish? Probably not. It just seemed a little fiddly. Yes. Like it was an extra step that, you know what they say in Texas? All hat and no cattle. <laughs> that kind of sums it up. I don't understand what that means. All hat and no cattle. It's like uh, style over substance. Kind of. Hat. Yeah. But hat and cattle are two completely different things. No, if you know, there's plenty of people that are kind of like fake cowboys. Oh, you know, oh, they got the they got the go. uniform, but okay. they got no cattle. Ah, you learn something new every day. Dude, Thanks. you're asking the wrong person. Thanks. I'm not from Texas. <laughs> our apologies to our Texas friends. And we're not being mean to Texas. No, of course not. Um, but yeah, I mean, so fussy present presentation aside, this was a tasty dish. 
We use Bucatini, mm-hmm. which I am a huge fan of. And we use some... Probably my favorite pasta. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Not that that's some kind of controversial <laughs> decision or something, but, you know. Bucatini. There, I said it. He I lo- love it. He loves his Bucatini. Well, we, uh- <laughs> you know what I love about it is you can have it the next day for leftovers, and it's not all like gummy and stuck together like other pastas can be. <laughs> I think if it's gummy, you're doing it wrong. Maybe. <laughs> that, that's there, a, that is always a possibility. That's a your problem, not a pasta uh, problem. Oh, we should talk about these uh, gorgeous king trumpet mushrooms that... We- that we procured for this dish. Yep. Uh, there is this Asian grocery that we go to whenever we want um, to get a nice selection of mushrooms. Um, and made a little trip down there. And I like going there because then I can get the Konjac uh, gel packets. Oh, those things are disgusting. <laughs> You're on your own with that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like drinking like... Glue? No, it's like <laughs> it reminds me of drinking aloe juice. Uh, you don't know. I know. You you just you don't appreciate them. But uh, yeah, the the trumpet mushrooms have this like firm kind of meat like texture. I mean, they're probably a good substitute if you if you are vegetarian oh, yeah. or vegan, like for for you know meat. If you want that kind of texture, they're really toothsome. Yeah, substantial. This is a good dish. Um, presentation aside. Yeah. So I think we've said enough about that. Yes. All right. Last dish. We made five from the book. This was the final one. Go for it, Victoria. A strawberry tart. Yes. Um, this one we were a little bit split on. Yes. Um, I mean, we'll, I'll preface this by saying neither one of us considers ourselves very strong bakers. No. Um, Victoria does not give herself enough credit, mm. I would say. Because you you've whipped up some pretty amazing desserts in your day, um, I I try from time to time, uh, which is how this dish started out <laughs> with, with me making a very valiant effort. Um, I made the tart dough, um, and it was a total failure. I mixed it up. I think I overworked it. Um, once I went to roll it out for the for the tart. It, it was, was sticky as hell. It was this big gluey mess. It was disgusting. Uh, there was there was no saving it. There was no rolling it out. That's for sure. So, Victoria, to the rescue. Look at me rolling up my sleeves, saving the day. Yep, not per usual. <laughs> uh, but yeah, your your attempt was was a success, and we we rescued the tart. And then uh, there was this semolina pastry cream, which was kind of divisive in our household. I thought the texture was really, really... It was grainy. It was grainy, yeah, which you don't want a pastry cream to be, but it had semolina flour in it, so... So I don't think there was anything we did wrong. No. It was just, that's the nature of that that ingredient. Yeah, and then there... Uh, it had orange blossom water, which Ooh. I am not a big fan of floral tasting things. And there's a, for me, I mean, there's a very, I think for everyone, there's a very, very fine line. Um, it's either really tasty or it tastes like grandma's, uh, grandma's Perfume. guest soap <laughs> yes. in, in the, in the bathroom that, um, that, 
gathers an inch of dust because yes. nobody ever uses it. Grandma, can you get some different soap? <laughs> that was so. a really oddly specific. Yes. Okay. But yeah, I, it was a little heavy on the orange blossom water. And I know that I followed the recipe exactly for that. Um, so it could just be a taste preference. It could be a flawed recipe. Believe it or not, one thing that we've discovered from working through over a hundred cookbooks to date for this project is that there are just bad recipes yep. and you know, you'd love to think that this beautiful book that you bought has been meticulously tested and retested and researched and is all of growling at us. <laughs> yes. We're ignoring her. Yeah. So she go, needs to hang out with those bunnies. See how they're doing. <laughs> um, that's our dog, Olive. She's she's sassing us right now. We're we're not paying her enough mind, so yeah. she's telling us what's what. So yeah, I mean, kind of mixed results. I think you had a piece like that night, and and to be fair, like they do say, you know, serve this immediately. This is probably not a dessert that's going to hold up well to you know trying to have throughout the week. Yeah, um, I think we kept it in the fridge and it does get a little weepy and just, you know, it's not going to present or taste as well as it does, you know, if you serve it immediately. So probably a misstep on our part to pick this dish unless we were like making it for a crowd and everyone was going to enjoy it right away. Um, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. So, but uh, there you have it. Th- those are the dishes we made. Um now we've come to the point where we rank this book in a variety of categories, starting with food photography and styling. And what did you have? Um, I gave it a five. I thought it... it the photos are gorgeous. Yes. And, and it's not just food. No, it set a very lovely tone. And there are lots of photographs of people, of storefronts, of the landscape. Um, I thought it was beautiful. Yeah. And it makes you want to visit this uh, region. Right. Um, I gave it a four out of five. And and my only critique was um, a, f- a couple of things. Like not every recipe has a f- an accompanying photo. So if you're the type that wants to see the finished product and what your dish should look like, um, you're not going to find that with this book. I mean, there's definitely – it's packed with photos, but it's not, not as if every – recipe has a photo and some of the photos in the case of the burrata dish um they're just very stylized so there's this platter that has like an entire heirloom tomato on it and some herbs and it's it's not even the completed it's the components not the actual dish yes so i mean it's it's a gorgeous photo but it's not going to give you any kind of signpost for like what the dish is supposed to look like when it's completed so see but i kind of like that though no, I, like it's go it, your own way yep it's it's one of those things where like it you'll either appreciate it or you won't um but just you know that was just my observation for the for this time but overall it's it's a gorgeous book and it's got lots of really amazing photographs in it so uh degree of difficulty um so one being not difficult five being very difficult i gave it a three um just because there were i mean some of the stuff that we made were a little bit labor intensive you gotta make pasta from scratch man absolutely yeah. um but not everyone has the time to do that or yep. they're scared to do it which i completely understand yep um yeah so uh i gave it a three yep 
I gave it a four just because like I'm not as skilled as you. <laughs> it, was, it was much harder for me. You are selling yourself short. <laughs> um, but I would I would say with most of these dishes in the book, these are not things you're just going to whip up on a on a weeknight after work. Um, you know, save this for special occasions. Save it for weekends when you've got the time. Or if you're doing like a really special dinner, like this is yeah. a, it's a special book. I think I think yeah. a lot of this stuff is very. This would, it'd make a great special. gift, yes. Especially if someone's really into Italian cuisine and and this very specific region in in Italy, um, which I think is kind of unique compared to all of you know the rest of Italy. Um, it's a great book, um, but you know, a little more involved than some of the other books that we've worked from. Yes. So. Uh, taste. How did everything taste? Um, I gave it a four point five. The only thing Look that at you with your with your fractions oh, of, of ranking, I've got to be picky like that. <laughs> um, uh, the only thing that that dang tart. Yep. I mean, but everything that we made was delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait to see what else is in there and visit some other recipes and. Yep. So, what about you? Uh, I gave it a four. Okay. Um, again, everything we made was really tasty. Um, I just took a few points. You know, I took a point off for that tart. The the spaghetti thing, it was just one of those things where it was no fault of the recipe or the book. It was just a, a, an issue I had with the presentation, but um, it didn't really affect the the taste at all. I just think there's easier ways to achieve that same taste without going through the the kind of chefy presentation. But uh, no complaints overall. And yes. then um, lastly, uh, design and layout of the book. Would you give it? I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. Um, I. F- feel like uh like in section in certain sections there would be um it's uh like with the god what am i trying to say here um like with the land section there's appetizers and mains and then in another section there will be desserts like in the sea section i don't know it's it's it, yeah, and I, I will I will piggyback on that and say that I, I thought some of the kind of layout and design choices were a little bit clunky. Um, it's not the type of book where everything is just like perfectly symmetrical where like, boom, the recipe's on this page. Right next to it is the accompanying photo, which is, you know, the same size as all the other photos. There's lots of little photos that might only be a few inches in in size, like scattered throughout the book. There's a lot of negative space with the text. Yeah. Um, there'll be, you know, pages of stuff that has no uh, photos. And then you'll have another one where it's like a two page spread of a, of a photo. So it's, if you're, if you're the type of person that likes looking at those books and just having everything like very, kind of thoughtfully laid out and symmetrical, this book might drive you a little bananas. And and that was just things that I kind of noticed from working through so many books like we have. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
That that's probably like the biggest shortcoming. I you know I thought the recipes were solid overall. I thought you know everything tasted good. The the photos themselves are beautiful, but the layout that's probably where I had a, a few issues. Yeah. So overall, I think I'd rate this book a four. Yeah. So job well done, and I'm glad yes. we we did it. So there you have it. That takes us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. And uh, follow us on Instagram if you don't already. You'll see photos of all these dishes along with more detailed explanations. And uh, that's it. Until next time. Have a great week, everybody. I'll leave you with a joke. Ready, Victoria? Uh, Okay. So I had a friend once and he told me that onions were the only food that make you cry. So I threw a coconut at his face. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. (laughs) Take care.